1: sunday night edition of the pod gonna bring mark stein in momentarily here but danny and i gotta catch up uh, on a little bit of news over the weekend also talk a little bit about the Cavs celtics game Cavs sure looked good in their first game with the new cast of characters against the celtics just absolutely throttling them in boston let's start with some of the news though uh, with the buyout market at this point uh, in full swing it seems like it's almost over already amazingly
2: well we'll we'll see if if it changes at all over the next couple weeks, but the the early rush certainly appears to be close to it and not only have those players arranged buyouts, but it seems like all of them have homes. So, the first three, kind of the the bigger group other than Greg Monroe, which already happened of course, was Joe Johnson who got traded to the Kings as a part of that big trade with the Cavs Marco Bellinelli, who did not get traded and Brandon Wright, who did not get traded and Derek, oh and then Derek Rose so that's, that's the other guy, Derek Rose, who got traded to the Jazz as a part of the same trade that moved Joe Johnson. All of those guys have buyouts and other than Derek Rose who has two suitors the other three have homes
1: yeah let's discuss uh, Bellinelli first because he he to me provides the clearest help to one of these teams in the regular season because there just was a total lack of shooting on the wing for the Sixers and just a lack of viable wing options even if you want to say TLC was a, a solid backup point guard for them really they were forced to play so often with two traditional bigs together like Trevor Booker alongside Embiid or uh, Rashawn Holmes with Embiid or they have to play Amir Johnson with a, another non-three-point shooting big. Getting Bellinelli, to me, it's not even that Bellinelli is so good. It's just he's a solid shooter that you really have to respect. And then it, it helps them to get just more blood uh, on the wing of NBA players. So now they can play Sharice uh, or Ben Simmons at the four the majority of the time instead of having to waste time with those guys at the three.
2: And it's not like Bellinelli is nearly as good as JJ Reddick, but he can do some of the same things well moving off the ball being active taking shots and so eventually they might even be able to to run some of the similar stuff out there when redick is hurt even cuz we know he's going to miss time he, he basically you know just like like all players his age does at various moments already has this year and again as you said it's not always about how good a player is it's about whether they're better than their replacements especially for for somebody who's coming off the bench and he certainly is that and the sixers needed players like that and, it, and it's also worth noting i mean we're not going to see many players Like Bellinelli hit even the buyout market, so getting somebody with his skill set is is valuable for the Sixers, and I would say to a degree unexpected.
1: Yeah, you're probably not going to see any other shooters of his caliber on the market unless things change a little bit. Uh, Of guys who are expiring contracts who didn't already get moved at the deadline, that is a very short list. Maybe Wayne Ellington could have been in that mix at one point to get traded, but he's been a key part of what Miami is doing, and so I think a lot of teams were in the mix for Bellinelli probably the Warriors were as well and we won't find out for a little bit probably exactly what he signed for but the Sixers did have their full room mid-level available and with that being the case I think they probably both in terms of the guarantee of playing time and the amount of money uh, were able to outbid some other suitors like say Golden State who yeah it's like oh you can come here and you can compete with Nick Young for minutes on the wing and that's you know a 10 minute game roll or you can come here and play 20 it's a game in philly and uh oh by the way get paid four times the amount maybe it's not quite that much but uh, you know maybe it's two million maybe that's a big difference over just the prorated minimum
2: it absolutely is and it's also the value of having real space under the luxury tax the by the move that they did giving robert covington a raise that's what basically put the the sixers right at the cap but then they had you know about 20 million in wiggle room between there and the luxury tax so when you have that and you retain your mid-level exception you, you can do some stuff and so i i it's good for them to, to use that in that way. And we've seen some other teams just say, oh, our roster's basically set and, and not use it. And the Sixers are gunning for a playoff spot. And, and if the, that becomes more stable, which it could, then they're going for seeding. And so getting somebody who can help you is, is very important.
1: I thought the Brandon Wright one was interesting with the Rockets. And we'll talk more about the specific fit there when we do 15 and 60 a little bit later on in the week. But just in terms of other places that Wright could have gone, you know, Houston, all they had to offer, I believe, was the prorated veterans minimum as well, because they used the uh, full MLE uh, on PJ Tucker and Joe Chi, and then they used their BAE on uh, Tarek Black. So maybe there wasn't that much more money out there for Wright somewhere but I also don't see a clear role for him necessarily. Maybe he moves ahead of Tarek Black, and, and Nene doesn't play that much, and so they're used to playing with a guy like him with Capella. So he could be kind of that center finisher type of guy, but I I would have felt that maybe somewhere else it could have used him a little bit more maybe like a Milwaukee or something like that um also part of the reason why maybe you don't want to trade for Tyler Zeller because Brandon Wright's better than him and you could have got him instead in theory but uh yeah I, other than just the fact that you know Wright's been an advanced stats darling for a long time and he fits in to the role there I'm just surprised that he would have chosen Houston unless maybe just no other team values him as much as we and, and apparently the Rockets did
2: it is interesting in that way I mean he is a wonderful role man on pick and rolls and he will certainly have those opportunities whenever he is on the floor. It's just that we don't know how often it's going to be there. He is at best their number three true center. And in the playoffs, let's say, they could move to lineups with PJ Tucker at center, Ryan Anderson at center. So he does seem to be a smaller part of that. I'm, I'm sure there were overtures made to, to other teams, and players can prioritize all sorts of things. And being on a, a team that could potentially make the conference finals or even more could be desirable, especially if they could line it up right away as opposed to teams like maybe the Warriors or even in Cleveland with their uncertainty that could just say hey maybe we'll have a spot for you but we need to figure out where we're going but yeah I mean think about Cleveland like they, they have a much bigger need for a center right now than the Rockets do
1: yeah and Joe Johnson uh, with the Rockets as well now obviously the Rockets uh, are a winning team and they expect to be playing deep in the playoffs I think the, the advantage of the Joe Johnson signing is more just avoiding mileage during the regular season I think it would be a mistake because he's really deteriorated defensively and especially against the Warriors you saw that he was just totally ineffective Against them last year because they have enough big athletes that the whole Iso Joe game couldn't work as well as it did against, say, a team like the Clippers, where he was able to go to work on them and he had a wonderful playoff series against them last year, as we'll all remember. But uh I think it's more about just avoiding a ton of miles for some of these guys during the regular season, and that hopefully Joe Johnson, they don't end up playing him in crunch time in the playoffs over guys like Mute or Tucker because I really think they need that extra defensive punch that those guys bring.
2: In some ways, for me, when- What's most surprising about the Johnson and Wright combination is the idea that both of those guys are certainly good players, but they don't really provide what the Rockets need in terms of even the the regular season just depth pieces, and that coincides with them having to cut Bobby Brown, who they had signed to a rest of the season contract right before they ended up getting both of those guys, and they they did right by him by you know agreeing to the contract and all that, and they don't need a backup, uh, I guess you call it a third string point guard, depending on how you see Eric Gordon at full strength, other than. And garbage time, and then in case somebody got hurt during the playoffs, and both of those things are entirely possible. So it's a little bit weird to me in that sense. And with Joe Johnson, I think it's a more delicate ecosystem in terms of actually giving him minutes and opportunity. And sure, having more depth helps. And if D'Antoni actually uses it and and gives the forwards they already have on the rotation fewer minutes, that would be wonderful. I would love to see that from D'Antoni. But if this gets into an issue of oh, we need to play Joe Johnson even though we have superior options in games that actually count, then then that could become an issue and yes joe johnson can be better than he has been especially as a shooter this year but that gets hard sometimes especially with somebody like joe johnson who is pretty well liked around the league
1: yeah he is a, another guy who is well liked at least among the fans is jeremy lynn he has already opted into his 12.5 million dollar player option for next season that always seemed to be a fait accompli i guess he did it now just to avoid the paperwork or, or whatever you might as well just go ahead and, and do it and so he's coming off that ruptured patellar tendon uh, even if he'd finished the year healthy difficult to imagine that he could have beaten that 12.5 million uh maybe he could have done you know a mid-level exception type of contract for more guaranteed money but coming off the patella and that was not realistic and i think lynn will be 29 this summer so he'll be back in brooklyn it'll be interesting to see if he can rehab his value he could have value as an expiring contract for brooklyn next year you could see him being the type of guy where they take on bad money that goes a year beyond that uh and then flip lynn as a guy Maybe you could help a, a playoff team as a backup point guard if, if he can, even if he takes a step back through the patellar tendon issue, he could still be a, a quality backup point guard option. Um, probably not much more to add on that, I'm guessing. So, why don't we talk about uh, this Cavs game against the Celtics? We did it for the Twitter NBA show, but you know, just uh, spend about five minutes on it here of your impressions of this new look Cleveland team.
2: The biggest element of it to me was the effort and execution defensively. I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, the effort was certainly miles better, and they were more more active in passing lanes. They were getting back in transition defense, which has been such a huge problem for them this year. And some of that was the new additions playing actively. And another part of it was the starters playing the, re- the holdovers playing more actively than they had before, including LeBron James, but also Tristan Thompson, I thought did a very nice job in that first half protecting the rim, being around, getting defensive rebounds. And they also looked very good de- offensively, but some of that stems from, you know, making 16 of 30 from three is going to make you look a lot better offensively but they already had plenty of offensive talent so i'm going to focus in the early part of this on the defensive end looking better i didn't think they like were shutdown players but they were a whole lot better than they'd been earlier in the season
1: yeah that that's what showed up to me because if you just think about watching a Cavs game how many layups followed by finger pointing just plays where you're like this isn't the type of play that an nba defense should be aligned just easy back doors blow by your man transition again and again as three guys are behind the play and that's what we saw i mean they did have that heroic win against the wolves on wednesday night but nonetheless the, their defense was horrible in that game and so we just didn't see that i mean there were maybe only three or four plays all game that you could look at where it's like okay yeah that was like inadequate help all right this guy clearly blew that assignment so the effort level was clearly higher i think just from an emotional standpoint lebron had had one of the worst months of his career really since he became a, a superstar uh was not trying at all on defense we didn't see that from him yes yeah, so that defense was one part and then just getting quality shooters on the floor at nearly all positions other than center or around lebron was really the other part for me i thought hood looked pretty solid and it's going to give tyloo a lot of options here for who to close games with i'm not sure who's going to be in this closing lineup but he can go with whoever is hot which you know can be good can be bad but he'll have a lot of options now and lebron uh, is going to be the one to have to create nearly everything but uh you know he's the second best player you can probably do.
2: I also thought this was a nice overall effort performance from Chetty Osman other than the excellent defense by the back side of the rim on one steal and drive <laughs> he, he he you know he was just yeah. he was out there and he had a couple plays where he was yeah.
1: the, the wide open floor was playing some great uh defense on him too as he tried to dribble up uh, on that breakaway and <laughs> also lost it a couple of times and
2: and he ended up on Kyrie fairly frequently which was surprising to me he wasn't great I mean Kyrie Irving can roast a lot of different guys but the activity level was there, and you talked about the idea of options. I think that he had gotten marginalized based on the way that Cleveland's rotations were going, and so the turnover gives him another opportunity to to get a spot, and they can play the hot hand with this a little bit. You know, they have a lot, they have multiple players at basically every position now, so other than LeBron, and that will, of course, change when Kevin Love gets back. But the other part of this game that I think we have to talk about is, this should be very concerning for the Boston Celtics. The Celtics have the league's best defense statistically this season but teams with superlative individuals like lebron james will always be able to have a point against switch heavy defenses that aren't uniformly good and they were attacking kyrie irving a lot former teammate that know him very well but aaron baines when he was out there there were a lot of different guys and yes they were missing marcus smart but
1: monroe oh yeah him like two minutes and he immediately fucked up a pick and roll coverage and committed a dumb foul that didn't actually stop lebron and went to the bench
2: and so if you combine the idea that there will be structural weak points in their defense against the best teams you know they'll still be good against teams that are that are less good than cleveland but but you're gonna have to beat cleveland at some point and you have that as as something and then also yes they missed a bunch of threes and if they make those this this looks a lot closer than the game than than it ended up being with that 121 99 margin but a lot of times they just weren't getting good shots and especially cleveland was better today than they've been it's not like they're gangbusters anyway and so the celtics have i believe before today it was the 20th 29th ranked defense since the year turned over so since january 1st and they're better than that but the, the like the idea of kind of be needing to be top 10 in both offense and defense to be a, like a really super viable playoff team is maybe more of a challenge for them like they're maybe not that type of offense
1: yeah they're not and they have just gotten completely waxed by their two biggest teams in competition with them in the east toronto uh that game wasn't close and then to just get blown out like this at home on paul pierce's jersey retirement I'm sure that uh lebron enjoyed forcing all these celtics fans to stay until the end of a total blowout so they could see the pierce retirement ceremony afterwards uh, that must have been fun for lebron all right that's enough on this we'll bring in uh, mark stein right after this so if your company is outgrown quickbooks and you're still using manual processes and shared spreadsheets and legacy systems to do your finances it's time to check out NetSuite by oracle the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform you can save time money and unneeded headaches by managing sales hr finance and accounting instantly you can do it from desk or even from your phone it's convenient enough that you can do it from your phone because i know so many people do stuff uh, on the go these days thousands of the best known and fastest growing companies use NetSuite to manage their business and now it's available to you via oracle one of of course the leading names in software and if you have a, a growing business NetSuite is offering this free guide called crushing the five barriers to growth you'll learn how to acquire new customers increase profits and finally get real visibility into your cash flow the way you can get this guide crushing the five barriers to growth is at NetSuite. suite is in like suite 310 netsuite.com slash capspace is that url Easy to remember that slash capspace url go to net netsuitecom slash space to download their free crushing the five barriers to growth guide today. Once again, that's NetSuite.com/capspace. All slash cap space. All right. So the trade deadline is in the rear view mirror. I promised you guys that Mark Stein, but his real job intervened for a couple of days. He is here now though. And we got lots of stuff uh, to discuss uh, after the trade deadline. Are you caught up on sleep at all Mark?
0: Yeah, it was good. I mean, I, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not one of those guys who's going to say it's awful. It's so bad. I mean, w- man, we are so lucky. That people are so into this It's why you have this podcast I'm guessing Because people (laughs) cannot get enough So I am never, ever, ever Going to complain about Oh man, the trade deadline Just wiped me out well, you know this isn't you've had a real job you know this isn't a real job
1: <laughs> yeah I, in fact i've had a real job and this job at, at the same time for a while that that was not too fun but thankfully uh our listeners support us enough that we can uh make this a, our they, real want job. But, they want more
0: they want more they're mad the trade deadline's over they're mad the trade <laughs> deadline is two weeks early and i thought you know what hey the buyout market's gonna go all the way till march 1st but even that's moving too fast so
1: yeah you know i i thought it would maybe things will change a little bit with that i was talking about this with danny today when we did the, the twitter show that you know you never know maybe someone comes down with an injury or something but i was going through the list and it really seems like there aren't and maybe we can just talk about this first now at the dust is that we'll obviously hit back on the trade deadline as well but i mean i was going through it and i can't really come up with that many other candidates to get bought out uh, other than who we've already seen is anyone come to mind for you
0: well i'll give you an example like vince carter who's someone i think we've yeah. all kind of talked about his case and after the trade deadline I checked it out and and based on everything I'm hearing you know, Sacramento would buy him out if Vince went to the Kings and said you know what, there is a playoff team I want to join I really want to do this I thought about it, I want to move the Kings wouldn't stand in his way they want him to stay but it's only as we're talking it's February 11th who knows that we get to February 27th or 28th I haven't even looked to see if this is a, a year with a February 29th or not I really don't know but if we get to that point and who knows what, it, what you know? What if the Raptors all of a sudden say, you know, we would love to get Vince for the stretch run. I'm sure Vince would say, you know what, guys, uh, let me go. And and so the fact that it the fact that guys don't have to be released until March 1st means we'll have this initial wave of buyout guys and waiver claims. It all goes quick, but it does leave open the possibility that something happens in late February and a guy pushes for a buyout that we don't see right now. You know, Nerlens Noel. That's another name that you know I've been told unequivocally he won't be bought out he's finishing the season in Dallas they even want to try to get him back on the court after the all-star break but again let's let's let the month play out when there's a when there's a deadline deadlines in the nba are always when the action hits
1: yeah what's the story with nose i know that's been the spin lately hey we're gonna give him a, another shot after this thumb injury which there are rumblings that that was uh somewhat elective surgery i mean, I, I always hate to repeat those rumors because you don't know what a guy's going through in his body necessarily we've probably seen more times where a guy had something misdiagnosed and then later had to get surgery like you think of, like that. Louis all dang situation years ago with the bulls for example so i never want to be like oh this guy is like wussing out and getting the surgery that he doesn't really need but that was that was some of the spin that was coming out of there and now he's really out of the rotation maybe they feel like they're gonna bring him back maybe they just feel like as bad as he played he could just help their tanking efforts. who knows what the what the deal is what's your feel for that
0: well look he had veto power over any trade so it's not like they could just send him on his way they would have needed his cooperation and and the sense i got was that they never really got very very far down the line on anything too serious with Noel. And, and again, you know, I suppose people will see it as spin or whatever, but you know, I've talked to, I've talked to multiple people about it and they're adamant that we're going to see him on the court here and he's going to get you know another quote chance to try to earn some rotation minutes and i mean th- the state of the mavs roster is such that i you know i don't think that they need to go into any elaborate tanking mechanisms you know they've <laughs> they've uh you know they're they've found a way to lose a lot of close games and you know i i think they need to see they need to they need to take one more run at this to see before his free agency if there is any future here for him i mean common sense tells you probably not but i think we talked about about this before i i really liked that trade i thought dallas didn't have to give up that much to get him and just why not take one more run at it because athletic rim protectors i mean the Cavs for all their good business that they just did they would still love an athletic rim protector those guys aren't that easy to find and you know i think it behooves dallas to kind of run out every ground ball here and see if they can still make a player out of
1: it (laughs) yeah well so good business for for the Cavs. that that's your thought you think they they did well overall and, and obviously they had that great win against Boston today we'll try not to have our, our uh feelings get color- colored too much uh, by one game but uh, at the time they, you thought that they did well
0: they got way more done than I thought waking up on trade deadline morning or you know I better I better uh I better back up the narrative here I never went to sleep Wednesday night but when the clock ticked <laughs> when the clock ticked into Thursday I didn't you know I thought George Hill might be the best player that the Cavs come away with on deadline day and, and you can make the case that the other other three players they got are even more exciting for various reasons so for the much maligned Cavs front office to be able to get done as much as they did in the last 15 hours of trade season they had a very good day it was a costly day I mean you know I'm sure I'm sure you and Danny were not too impressed with the Cavs having to give up a first to take in Clarkson and Nance we yeah. we all thought that was going to be the other way around but in look The Kyrie Irving trade was a mistake, but teams don't always admit their mistakes. It takes some stomach to sit up there and say, we screwed up and we're going to try to fix this mistake as quickly as we can and that's what they did i mean they you know it was costly they will they will rue having to give up a first to bring in clarkson and nance but to get clarkson and nance and hill and rodney hood and yeah it was only one game but lebron's demeanor in boston was such that you got a very quick illustration of why they had to make the trade i mean this team was miserable they couldn't stand each other and there was no way they could continue the way they were so all things considered i think you know I think it was a good day for the Cavs and a good day for the lakers
1: yeah it's interesting so uh, this has been a, a matter of some controversy i uh, always maintain there's no way the lakers are going to get off of jordan clarkson without having to give up an asset and you can say whether larry nance uh was worth the first on his own and they did get off of clarkson without having to give up the, the asset uh but was there anything out there i mean because the lakers had always expressed you know at least through leaks that they're like oh we'll be able to get off of clarkson no problem was is there anything else out there for clark i don't think right having to give up a you first? know
0: right now i don't think so but i think what the Cavs would say is they believed that come june and closer to the draft that the lakers would have found a way and we have seen yeah. it before that teams in their position oh you're
1: saying just a, a way a way to create the space yes. for lebron you're, you're talking about the whole yes. like oh they created space for lebron yeah I, like they're really gonna root that no i i never really bought into that aspect and and i you know i think we've
0: seen we've seen the power teams the big market teams in this league they they do tend to find a way to create salary cap space when they need it so you know that was you know that's really the issue for Cleveland is that you know there's two issues one is that they gave up a first and two that they've now set up the Lakers who everyone thinks is their prime competition for LeBron they've made the Lakers lives much easier in terms of creating two max slots because the wisdom the conventional wisdom in circulation is the only chance the lakers have to get LeBron is if they can also get Paul George if they can if they can tell LeBron pick your free agent of choice and we'll sign both of you but again Cleveland is so desperate in terms of what it has to do to try to keep LeBron and this was really to me the only option they had without giving up the Brooklyn pick which they obviously didn't want to do so you know I, I I do think it was the best case scenario and I think it was it was a pretty impressive effort
1: so I don't talk to as many people as you do but some of the talk was well dan gilbert he's running everything he loves isaiah thomas they like text each other gilbert has this napoleon complex and so he's he wants to re-sign isaiah but then of course they ended up moving him i think that was the right decision uh and was all that talk uh, overblown or did they just manage to convince dan gilbert that hey you know what this needs to happen and oh by the way here's another seven million dollars to add to your luxury tax bill
0: i i had the same thought as you i believe it was uh our friend ken berger who reported that Dan Gilbert was very fond of Isaiah Thomas I haven't personally heard that but when Ken reported it I just like you kind of suggested there thought wow maybe that means that that Isaiah Thomas will stay and he won't be traded because in the last week leading up to the deadline there was a lot of talk like I remember talking to, to someone who I, I consider to be a very, a very strong reader of the situation in Cleveland and that person told me love will not be traded no matter what but I Isaiah thomas is in play and i didn't report it because i bought into the notion that wow dan gilbert loves this guy i'm not so sure he's ready to trade isaiah thomas but that obviously you know however it changed they the Cavs did convince dan gilbert and i think rightly so it just it just wasn't going to work even isaiah thomas's agent aaron goodwin told sam amick that i mean it yeah. it you know they 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 tried it it didn't work it wasn't gonna get better it could only get worse and so again when when it you know when a team admits a mistake you don't throw a championship parade for them but i think you do applaud them and say they admitted their mistake and tried as decisively as they could to fix it
1: yeah it's interesting that you reference it as a mistake i agree it obviously wasn't working and, and the situation had to be remedied but there's been a lot of criticism of the Cavs now for making that trade i was one who thought that given a very difficult circumstance with a guy with two years left on his contract who can not quite pick his destination but basically teams that where he doesn't want to be aren't going to give up that much for him because he can leave it in two years you know a phoenix or, or something like that uh the team's kind of at the lower rung who generally have the assets and to get the brooklyn pick because it's the boston is the rare good team that had that type of asset available plus uh, thomas and crowder and you know who could have predicted that crowder was going to fall off so i mean at the time I mean, did they have anything else or was the only other alternative just really to be like well you know let's just call his bluff and force him to come into camp
0: yeah Yeah, and that's... Look, we're all experts with hindsight, and... You know, how many of us are we all I mean, I think almost universally said, you know what? Cleveland did all right here. You know, you wouldn't want to trade Kyrie Irving, but the Brooklyn pick and Crowder, Thomas, this is okay. You know, they they but the you know, obviously it didn't work. And so now we're all going to bash them. But there was that other option of and by all accounts, LeBron was urging the Cavs to just ignore the trade demand. Let him come to camp and let's try to fix it. Now, why did they even have to wait? till camp why didn't LeBron try to meet Kyrie right then and try to address yeah. any problems before they traded him you know that's that's I think something that you know LeBron probably has to answer at some point because that didn't happen there wasn't a conversation before Kyrie was traded but I know I, I I think it is people are gonna wonder in hindsight why did Cleveland cave to the demand why did they jump on the trade at that point
1: but yeah I mean could, maybe your thought is was, I mean i I Forget who it was who reported this that Kyrie threatened to basically have like a, a knee surgery and and end up sitting out the season if he was stuck in Cleveland. And then again, maybe you could have called that bluff. But if he does that, then you're basically stuck with nothing for this year, which is the last year of LeBron, and you're trying to convince him to stay. So I mean, I certainly understand why it was that they did that. Did you get the impression for Cleveland that Larry Nance in particular was someone that they really coveted? You would imagine so, given the dynamics of that trade with the Lakers.
0: Yeah. You know, when Kobe Altman finally got on the phone with the media Thursday night, late Thursday night, and it, it, you know, I guess the trade calls really took forever because they had three of them to knock out. Yeah. He, he was glowing in his, not only in his descriptions and discussions of Nance, but you know, he, he talked about live bodies and just watching that team. They were, you know, besides LeBron, just completely devoid of the live bodies that you really want in today's uber athletic NBA. And I mean, let's face it. It. Nance I mean it's a great story that he's going to Cleveland where his father was a star but but beyond that I mean he's a very athletic dude who you would think is going to flourish next to LeBron James so I yeah I I think he should be very he he, he should have been very attractive to Cleveland
1: there was a sequence today uh, I think it was late in the third quarter where they ran the same play uh, three times in a row where they brought LeBron up to the elbow uh did a DHO from Nance then he rolled to the basket and they they got two wide-open threes because the guy on the backside was terrified that Larry Nance was going to crush a lob on, on their head. And then Aaron Baines stayed back on Nance another time, and LeBron was able to hit an easy floater. So you saw the, the gravity that he has rolling to the rim really caused some problems just in their first game with the Celtics. But let's turn to the Clippers here, which were uh, did not end up doing anything other than the Lou Will extension. Uh, but DeAndre Jordan, there was talk that the Cavs maybe had a deal for him— did you get that impression and and any idea of what that might have been and why that didn't end up happening yeah I actually didn't get
0: the impression that the Cavs were you know zeroing in on DeAndre on deadline day I you know it is hard to keep track of everybody and who reported what I think it was my good friend Brian Winhurst who said that he was under the impression that the Cavs did have traction with the Clippers on deadline day and ultimately just liked these moves better but you know, I spoke to someone close to the Clippers' situation on deadline day and their message to me was if anybody moves today it's only going to be avery bradley so look in hindsight you know after the fact i'm not sure we'll we'll ever know exactly where things were but you know just speaking only for myself the sense i got was that if anybody was going to go on deadline day from the clippers it was avery bradley but they they wanted a first rounder for him and they just couldn't get it i mean we, yeah. we saw this deadline i mean even second round picks you know i i live in dallas the mavericks were in tears To surrender Devin Harris In the three-way Emmanuel Moutier Deal but just felt like getting A look at McDermott but really to get An extra second rounder that they Had to do it they had to trade Devin Harris basically the Mavericks had An organizational meeting and said Would we do if if we didn't love Devin Harris the way we do would we do This trade just to get the extra second and Of course it was unanimous so that's why they Felt like they had to go through it that's where we are in The NBA but even just getting an extra second Is so handy and it's It's amazing that we've reached that point that someone like avery bradley can't generate a first round pick
1: yeah maybe it's because he didn't play well Uh, maybe it's because he has what i would consider to be especially in this limited 2018 market exorbitant salary demands you've heard 20 million per year high teens tossed around which certainly he could have gleaned in 2016 but that of course as we know is no longer that market but yeah i mean and so if there were seconds i understand why the clippers wouldn't move him because you know he can help you this year they can have a good defensive team this year and then maybe they're they re-sign him if his market dries up maybe not but you know, why not i would rather just make the playoffs this year than just have an extra second which is probably what he was teams were offering and especially when you talk about seconds like seconds as much as first are not all created equal right i mean if you're talking about a second rounder or two from a team like boston you know that's the 55 overall pick that's the same thing as the top 55 protected pick that people say like doesn't even exist basically so it's really uh i understand why teams that didn't necessarily want to do that uh for a guy like Bradley who you know he's helping you this year if you're a team that's in pseudo contention at least for the playoffs like the Clippers are
0: well the fact that San Antonio was interested in him interested in him
1: oh yeah I wanted wanted to ask you about that that's that was surprising to me because you never hear about the Spurs being interested in anyone at the deadline ever well but they do tend to make
0: deals and based on everything I heard they they were very interested in Bradley but I think it just got to the point where the price was too high I mean the the you know again I think multiple constructions were discussed one i heard was danny green in the first and i think for san antonio that was just way too high
1: a price yeah, to I give think up danny someone was to... better than avery bradley right now he's he's older but i i like him better than bradley i think he's not as good on ball but a way better off ball guy maybe that's and, why the trade and, as didn't happen
0: he maybe maybe yeah. uh maybe pop agrees with you maybe pop listens to the pod <laughs> uh
1: well it, we like danny green actually a lot more than pop seems to uh most of the time we we're uh we're bigger fans of his. pop pop will just like sit him down at the start of the second half sometimes like randomly it's it's odd he definitely seems to be like pop's kind of whipping boy the way like horace grant used to be for phil jackson back in the day
0: it's all out of love
1: <laughs> yeah that that would have been an interesting construction but if, if that's what it was i understand why the spurs wouldn't do that but if it could have been you know just filler salary and a first you know i think maybe that that they could have uh could have maybe benefited there um interesting that marco bellinelli now is going to philly why do you think atlanta wasn't able to get anything done with him
0: based on everything i've heard there they just did not want to take back any salary in a deal for Bellinelli and from what I understand they had a couple trade possibilities that fell through and that changed the situation you know they basically they did to Bellinelli or they with Bellinelli they handled him just like Memphis did with Tyreek Evans they told they they called him in and said look we're not going to play you in the last game or two before the deadline because we're most likely going to trade you and they really thought they were going to trade him but you know they're one of the few teams that are coming into cap space and just did not want to do anything to jeopardize that cap space and i i, I think you can understand that cap space is going to be so sure. precious that you you know you're not gonna you're not gonna mess with it if you don't have to and atlanta as much as any team in the league right now can kind of afford to take the long view they had a very long playoff streak was it 10 years in a row they made the playoffs something something you know something like that yeah, 0- 0708
1: to to uh 2017 so yeah, yeah that would so have been 10 years
0: i think the second longest in the league after San Antonio's they've decided to start over and so i think they are they are kind of taking the long view as much as as they can but i think that's well, also why Philly ended up not making the Tyreek Evans deal. I think the Sixers were pretty confident that they were going to get something good in in uh, in the buyout market. And I'm a Bellinelli fan. I think that's a great pickup. I know Miami had interest in him, and and actually I think about ten teams went after Bellinelli once he got his buyout from the Hawks. So that that's <laughs> a nice that's a nice pickup for Philly. I, th- I I think he he will be very useful there.
1: I agree with you. And if it was just for Bellinelli a second, and you got to take on more money from next year like if it were say jared bayless from philly yeah no way i'm doing that just for a second to take on money for next year when you know certainly a cap space will be at a premium whether it's taking on bad money from other teams or even just signing players to relative discount deals and then trading them during the season that could be a good use of that space so yeah for just a second there's no reason to take on money uh past this summer and memphis, and just, memphis yeah. as we as i think we covered oh, last yeah.
0: time we visited memphis was not taking bayless's contract back so that's why the philly pursuit of tyreek evans was kind of doomed before it even started
1: well and that's where i was critical of memphis because i felt like where they are as a franchise right now that they should have taken on money i mean because tyreek for a first on his own they we said it on the last show like it seemed unlikely that anyone was gonna get just straight expiring contract for tyreek evans and to get a first that way but if you took on money maybe you could get a first it seems clear they didn't have that that offer out there do you think they had an offer where if they had taken back money they could have gotten that first
0: it sounds like it i mean but i'm also surprised that you know multiple seconds at the buzzer given how hard it's going to be for memphis to resign him if if you're even offered two seconds at the end of the day for tyreek evans i mean don't you at least take that i mean that's really the one i think that that's puzzling people around the league that's the one i think people are talking about the most that when lou williams who everybody's going after all of a sudden does an extension i mean tyreek evans being traded that was you know if had we had talked on the wednesday before the deadline i think everybody said that's the lock tyreek evans he went.
1: was the number one most likely guy in the league to be traded as far as i was concerned and now that they have him they're gonna win a bunch of games that like they can't really afford to win like the tank race is uh is quite competitive this year everybody's got like you know 18 or 17 wins or whatever yeah it is. it's
0: it's really weird i mean and that's why that nets pick could still end up all over the board it's a it's it's true that whole race to the the bottom is a mess and something i suspect we'll be talking about a lot over the next six to eight weeks because uh somebody has a chance you know it, i don't know getting a <laughs> this, <laughs> i don't know how
1: i don't th- know. this could be an epic one i mean like especially because this is the last year of the old lottery rules like we may this could be like a tank race that we'll be talking about in the same breath as like you know the mark madsen like taking three pointers in overtime from like 10 years ago and the, when the wolves are trying to keep that pick
0: well it'll be another thing Then that helps people get over their sadness that the trade deadlines in the rear view mirror
1: (laughs) all right let's do a quick read here and then we'll bring it back for about uh, 10 more minutes uh right after this before we get back to the show this from the mattress that i sleep on he looks sleep almost three years ago now my fiance and i tried another mattress delivery company that they claim is one size fits all that didn't really made much sense to me but hey you know we could try it and we did and it wasn't one size fits all it didn't fit her a 120 pound woman and didn't fit me a 220-pound man. We both had some back pain, so we ended up moving on from that one. And then she found Helix Sleep. And that was much more up my alley because you can actually get a mattress that is customized to you. You fill out their two to three minute sleep quiz at Helixsleep.com slash cap space is the URL. Easy remember, we talk about cap space all the time around the program. And they'll build you a custom mattress based on how hot or cold you like to sleep, the level of firmness that you need, your height, your weight. If you're a couple that has different preferences, they can even split each side of the mattress to your own personal specifications. And a week later, it arrives at your door with free shipping. And you get to try it for 100 nights. So there's really nothing in terms of risk that should dissuade you from buying these. They start at about 600, 700 bucks and go up to a little over a thousand for the California King that we have. We actually have two of them now when it's in our, our guest bedroom. So once again, the way to get started with Helix Sleep, helixsleep.com slash catspace. Best mattress that I've ever slept on. I really think you'll try it and you can try it. I really think you'll love it. And you can try it risk-free for 100 nights helixsleep.com slash space is that url so anything else that stuck out to you that was a, a surprise other than what we've already hit on
0: i mean lou williams contract i think that was a surprise the number the fact that it's a shade under the mid-level yeah. but
1: well were agents pissed about that i
0: think yeah i think i think they're not thrilled but well you know surprise i mean i don't know if this if we're limiting it to deadline day or deadline week but blake yeah. blake griffin getting traded on january 29th is- still a pretty dang big surprise
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean that's uh we, we talked about that one already but yeah that that would probably be the number one as as we talked about it. actually this was uh a funny one after we had that conversation a reddit user suggested because you you brought up that idea of like the contract itself is the no trade clause and so a reddit user suggested the term noah trade clause as, as to uh yeah. encapsulate that concept yeah. which i thought was uh was kind of yeah, let, let's, let's confidently consider,
0: uh, state right now there will joe noah will not be traded that a trade will not be the way he leaves the knicks
1: i actually i was talking about this uh, i can't remember with who i actually would just hold on to it. i mean once he gets to only having one year left like maybe as an expiring i mean he wouldn't have value necessarily but like if you're capped out and you want to just bring back in some talent and a team wants to get off of money it maybe it's it, you know it would be possible but yeah I, I don't think until you know they would have to yeah so, him so he's a two years year
0: in year, so right he, they should. would have to keep him for a whole nother season and
1: change to get to that point right i mean and that's it's rough having a dead roster spot. But, but you know they're not probably not gonna be competitive i wonder what's the, the longest steps thing
0: i mean larry Kuhn should have this on his site somewhere or you guys should have it on your site somewhere what is the we need we need a comprehensive list of every stay at <laughs> home until you're until we trade you you know the Allen iverson deal when you know he's kind of yeah probably the most famous one when philly sent him home until they traded him to denver we need some somewhere maybe someone on reddit already has this list and can just furnish i think furnish
1: us with it i think noah is gonna set the record probably i mean if he if he's going to stay home the rest of this year that would probably be the longest one that i can and that's probably the Knicks' strategy to
0: try to make of. him snap because you know he he needs to play if he wants to you know he, he can't sit out the rest of this year and next season just so the Knicks can keep him as a trade chip. i mean this is a guy who needs to play if you know he's getting in his twilight years if he's not already there so i mean he you know he he does not yeah. need an extended vacation
1: this might have been like too low to be on your radar but i thought the dante cunningham trade was really odd this is a guy That New Orleans kind of wanted that they created space for to sign with the Quincy Pondexter trade in the summer, and then he's playing. All of a sudden, they bring in Mirtich. He gets one DNP, and he had to approve the trade to Brooklyn. But it seemed like he like really wanted out of. Yeah, I mean, what
0: what little I know about it is exactly that he wanted out. The Pelicans were prepared to accommodate him, and the Pelicans they would like to get into the buyout market and 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 try to find find some. blood the question is you know who who else who else is out there on the buyout market and uh you know andrew bogut is a guy not necessarily that he he, he meets new orleans needs but just throwing him out as a name that we haven't really discussed you know tony allen yeah. is is going to either be claimed off waivers or he'll become a free agent that that teams can look at i mean again i'm not i'm, I'm just throwing out names not specific to the pelicans but because yeah. the buy because you don't have to be waived until march 1st to be playoff eligible for your next team it does raise the possibility that that the Pelicans will will find someone that we're not even thinking about yet.
1: Yeah, and I think especially for where if there's a role or if a team falls out of, out of contention, there's an injury with the contender, maybe that could change things a little bit. Do you think there's going to be any buyouts uh, with the Lakers? <sighs> who who would be the? I mean, I'm trying to think who. Uh... So I like KCP is an expiring contract. Maybe just if he wanted to go somewhere else, they'd just do it a favor for Rich Paul or brooke Lopez. I know he's kind of indicated he wasn't interested in doing. Yeah, that. At, i mean uh channing fry who just got sent there you know
0: channing fry being so tight with luke walton just makes me think he spends the rest of the year there but but you know what's you know what's also yeah. w- true here someone like channing fry just got there maybe he hasn't even really had time to think about it or have a meaty conversation yeah. with the lakers but yeah, i mean i hadn't even really thought of kcp as a as a potential buyout guy but again that is the beauty of the fact that there's still two plus weeks for for teams to think about it maybe right now you're happy and maybe two weeks from now you're not so i do tend to think that there will be there will be a, a, a buyout surprise or three between now and march 1st just just again because things change fast i mean look at what the wizards are going through now they're suddenly scrambling for point guards just Oof. stuff happens that you you know that you don't anticipate yeah
1: you've been at the forefront of reporting that derrick rose to minnesota and i'm not sure whether that's going to happen or not but uh i mean i can't think of any team that actually needs him less <laughs> than minnesota but i guess it's just the old Tibbs, like getting the band back together yeah, I
0: seem to be getting a lot of timber bulls logos in my in my Twitter in my Twitter <laughs> feed lately yeah, I mean I, I wish I had an ounce of the creativity that some of the folks on Twitter have with all these memes and logos and I you know I can barely draw a stick figures so I always love to see what people come up with uh, but no look I I I, um, I think the interest is is very serious on the wolves part I think if Derek wants to go anywhere at this point it's to play for someone he's comfortable with and obviously Obviously, Tom Thibodeau fits that description. So I, I. D- i would be surprised if rose doesn't end up in in minnesota does someone else claim him i wouldn't think so given the state of his game and you know i know washington has been suggested as a potential landing spot for him but i don't think with their tax situation that they're claiming him so i i I do think minnesota is where he ends up and and
1: wolves fans don't seem that excited based on my initial twitter findings but i I, i'm not that excited i'm not even even a wolves fan i think like a high usage low efficiency guy is probably they already have too many of those guys you're not going to do second screen live of his first game his wolves debut i I mean no especially as a a guy who when he was starting was still a bulls fan it's i just can't watch it anymore um last thing i wanted to ask you kemba walker we talked about him last time was there anything any chatter at all involving him or does it really seem like it kind of got shut down once michael jordan made those statements
0: on wednesday night when i didn't go to bed i did hear someone i trust say don't completely rule out cleveland trying to put something together for kemba walker and i think again mr winhurst who knows the Cavs as well as anyone i think he's he said the same that he was kind of picking up signals that the Cavs were still trying but i just don't you know just looking i mean you're better at the math than me just looking at the two teams and their rosters i don't see what kind of match they possibly could have come up with to meet the needs of both of those teams without a third or even a fourth team joining into the mix so did it ever get close maybe we'll come to find out that it did but i i i don't i don't see
1: it i mean i'd be skeptical uh, I mean, like unless the brooklyn pick were involved which uh, you know i don't think it would have been uh at that point what like what could they have given them that really would have been worthwhile like isaiah they probably weren't too interested in that uh, michael jordan's declaration that he wanted an all-star back uh, aside uh isaiah no longer an all-star maybe if they'd made the trade before the new all-star teams were announced they, they would have been able to do it but uh yeah and then just to get off. Charlotte off of money I mean Cleveland has to send back equally bad money basically to to Charlotte so yeah I wouldn't have seen what would have made it worthwhile for them in in that type of a deal
0: yeah it's interesting I mean I you know apparently Kemba Walker just reacted so badly to the rumors that he was even available is kind of what prompted Jordan to come out so strongly and 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 shoot it down but I, I think we're on the same page on this one I think it's something that they might come to regret that they didn't try to trade him elsewhere if they could have sent bad you know sent some bad money away along with kemba walker because they they, i mean the reality is they need a reset there i don't i don't know what they're gonna do now i mean okay you kept kemba walker and he's going to the all-star game and uh, he'll represent the charlotte hornets on february 18th in los angeles and then what it's uh you know starting february 19th the 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 road ahead for them doesn't look all that appealing
1: no it doesn't and you might say even like someone like derrick rose could help them just because their backup point guard situation has been so miserable this year but uh you know, th- there seems so far out of it at, at this point that maybe it's just, you know, play the draft pick game it, again this year. And, you know, sometimes you can say, oh, hey, they should have traded that guy, right? Like that was something that was said with the Hawks with both Al Horford and Paul Millsap, especially in Horford's case. Millsap, I, I don't think is as much because I think they could have gotten something for him and they weren't any good that year anyway. But they had, you know, a 40 win 48 win team in the number two defense the year that they lost Al Horford in free agency. And so if you're just like, all right, we'll get one first round pick for an Al, horford or one first round pick for a kemba walker i understand if you wouldn't do that but uh if there was a way for them to get off of some money or just hit the reset button and, and get at least some kind of a decent asset back i i agree with you i think they should have explored that because and you're just there's this idea right of like oh we can't rebuild in this market but would you rather rebuild in this market with the assets you get from a kemba trade or would you rather wait two years be mediocre anyway and then rebuild and have it be an even worse rebuild i mean it's not like they don't it, There's no choice to be made here. They're not even in the playoffs now anyway.
0: Yeah, I i really i don't know what they're gonna do i I mean it it is
1: it is a long it's a long
0: unappealing haul that faces the charlotte hornets right now because i mean are they gonna sign kemba walker at some huge number to keep him and just stay on the path that they've been on i mean it you would have to think no mess it's a mess i mean
1: because because he's only going to get worse from here on out and so are all these other guys that they signed at these long contracts a mess so i mean maybe at least at least trade batum or trade marvin williams and yeah all right if you have to take back I,
0: and i guess you know, that's John the Mee- one Mooney with, with you know, if, yeah. if there was a way could the cat if they could have if the calves let's just say there was a way the calves could have gotten batum and kemba walker you know let's just let's just pretend that there was some third team that was yep. going to make it all happen would you rather have batum and kemba compared to what the calves ended up getting in real life and i'm not i think Whew. i think i like i think i like better what they did
1: well, especially if you consider the possibility of LeBron leaving, then yeah, I mean that Batum contract at you know twenty seven million three and a half years from now that's uh, that that's an ugly one to. I have an irrational I have it, an
0: irrational crush on Nance. I think that's why I just I I really I yeah. really like him, and I'm I'm romantic, so I love the fact that he's back in Cleveland, and you know I'm, pro- yeah. I'm probably I'm probably putting it you know make kind of expecting
1: more out of him than I should, but I don't know, I just I really like the look of him at LeBron's side. Yeah, well, for one day uh, that certainly was correct. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for coming on, Mark. Uh, A a fun trade deadline as always, and we're lucky to have you uh, here to break it all down. All right, my man. Be good. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal,
0: every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.